Welcome to the Liberty Moms podcast. I'm Chris Kimball hosting today. Liberty Moms are the Reels Secretary of Defense when it comes to their children, their communities, and their families. And we are proud to be part of the Loving Liberty Network. And we appreciate the fact that you would take time out of your schedule to listen in. There's lots of different options to get educated. And we appreciate that you would look at Liberty Moms as a place to get informed because that's the whole goal of our platform is to make sure that our Liberty Moms and Liberty Dads, we don't want to leave our our fathers out because they're an important part of this process as well. But uh, we want to make sure that you're getting educated on the things that really matter most to your family because there's a lot of information that's being shared out there across a lot of different platforms. And today I am excited to have um, Natalie Klein, who is on our state school board for the state of Utah, join us. And um, we are starting to, believe it or not, we're in the middle of July and things are going to wind down soon. And we're going to start getting into the school season. And depending on where you have your children, whether it's public education, private, charter, um, homeschooling, August is kind of your back to school month and it's coming up. And Natalie was giving a presentation last night and it was kind of depressing, I would say. (laughs) If you are in public school, okay? If you're in homeschooling, then you are in control of what your children are hearing. But if you have your children in a government, public school, you need to really um, become engaged in what is coming down the pipe. And and so I've got Natalie here with me. I'm so excited. She um, was elected to our state school board back in 2020. So she's in really the middle of her term. And um, this, she's needed some help. She's needed some reinforcement because she's one of maybe two others perhaps that um, have the interest of parents in mind on that state school board. And um, we are looking forward to an election cycle of 2022 where we could actually bring in some reinforcements with other candidates who are interested in the parents' um, mantle of being the purview of the um, education of their children. And so Natalie, let's talk about those particular Um, races that are coming up in November very quickly because um, it affects some of the listeners in our in our listening area so that they can get involved and help these candidates so who are we looking at in 22 to to want to be on the school board to serve with you who would you like to see okay well um, I just like to start out by saying anything I share today is my opinion not the official position of the board Um, but I am so grateful for the for the incredible candidates. We had somebody in every district for state board um, 
we had somebody, a great candidate come forward for each one of those that is a strong proponent of parents and that really wants to fix the problems that I've been pointing out. And so I'm grateful for them in doing that. Um, we had huge success at the um, conventions um, where our candidates won overwhelmingly um, in, in most of those races. Um, there was a couple, there was one that was a close enough call to go into a primary um, and she lost during that primary, the one I, I would have hoped would be in there. Um, and her, her challenger doesn't have anybody to run against during, um, during the general um, election, that, so she's in. Um, is that so Melanie Morton? Is that Melanie, Melanie Morton? Melanie Morton did, did not um, make it in, yeah. So oh my goodness. Her, her challenger is now essentially on the board because um, she doesn't have a Democrat to run against in the, in the general. Um, the other one that had a primary... Um, was Kim Del Grosso um, running against Cindy Davis, who is currently the vice chair on our board. Um, Kim won with, I think, 75% of the vote during convention. Um, so she shouldn't have had a primary because she got more than 60% of the vote, uh, the, the delegate vote. Um, but because Cindy gathered signatures, it forced a runoff in a primary, and Cindy won in the primary, which speaks to the problems of SB 54. Um, and why that needs to be repealed, um, that that second route to getting on the primary ballot. Um, so hopefully we'll see something that happened in many races across the state, not just state board, um, this this election cycle. And, and so I think there's huge um, momentum to get that problem fixed in the next legislative session. So I'm praying that, that, that something happens there and we can go back to our true caucus convention system um, where delegates actually are able to vet the, for, for the best candidates and, and get the best candidates on a, on a primary ballot. Um, we have um, others that, uh, against one convention that will be in the general election. Um, we've got, I think, five more. And we've, I would say Melanie Monastir, um, uh, Emily Green, um, now my mind's going blank. Uh, um, Christina, Christina Bogus. Yeah. Um, Christina Bogus. Who else? Joe Carey. Oh, Joe Carey. Yeah, he won at convention. So yeah, that's a good. And um, Jenny Earl, who's currently on the board, she's she's up for re-election and should do well um, in the in the general. Now I would I'm say Emily Green. Better. That, that's five right there. So Emily Green, I would say, is on the board because she's yes. down the southern part of the state, and I don't yes. think got even a real challenger. Yeah, yeah. And and Laurel Fetzer is okay. another one. Yeah. Okay, and Laurel is more Salt Lake County. Yep. Laurel Fetzer. Melanie is Salt Lake County, and Christina is Salt Lake County. And does she go yes. to county at all? Is she what? Is she going to Utah County, Christina? No, no, she doesn't. Salt Lake. Okay. So those three races that are Salt Lake County, those particular candidates are going to need help. Yes. A lot of help. They've got some steep competitors. And one of them is running against a Democrat candidate that is running as an saint with, with posters saying that it's time for the state school board to have a queer representative. And, and which race is that person? That? Is that, um, that would be Laurel's. 
Okay. Um, she's running against Sarah Real. So Sarah is running on an identity politics platform. Okay. So we will get the district numbers either on our break or, or whatever, because it's important. Here's the deal. When you, these particular candidates are not just running against an opponent, Democrat opponent, they're running against the school union. Yes. UEA and the NEA. Okay. And so they have a lot of deep pockets, a lot of deep funding. And so it's going to take we the people to help support these candidates with donations and putting out yard signs, telling your neighbors. A lot of times school board elections are not as um, um, prioritized for people. They don't take the time to learn about them. And so you as a listener here on the Liberty Moms program are going to be educated to a point where you can go out and tell them why you're voting for a certain person and, and the reason why they should vote for them. Uh, these candidates could really use that help any way you can give it your time, your money, um, getting their name out there. Yes. And uh, again, um, this, you cannot sit back, even if you don't have your children in public schools, your children are affected by interacting with these children that do attend public schools. Those values will be coming towards your children and you might as well try to um, get good people that will protect our general public, those students that for whatever reasons need to stay in public school. We want to make sure that they're protected from this agenda that Natalie's gonna be talking about here shortly that is very um, hair raising to say the least. Um, I remember when Alex Newman was here about a year and a half ago and he said basically public school, think of it as your home is on fire. The building is on fire. Are you just going to leave your children in there for smoke inhalation, possibly burning with the fire? Or are you going to extract them from that burning building? That's right. how he described public education, <laughs> pretty graphic. Um, yeah, so Joe Carey is up north, Jenny Earl. They basically should be okay with their elections. And Emily Green, who I um, got a chance to hear her at convention. She gave her speech in the room that I was auditing the election for, and she'll be fantastic. She's a parent advocate. Very, very familiar with the problems that are going on in education. Which brings me, Natalie, the question that I wanted to ask you. So you got elected two years ago. And two years ago, you weren't, I mean, you, there's no, you were not naive to the problems with public education. No. <laughs> but were you aware, were you aware of how bad it was? You know, I, I knew it was bad. And I, because I had been following it. But boy, you get in there and you start peeling back the layers. And the more you peel, the deeper it gets. And it, it just never ends. <laughs> Mm -hmm. It is, we have been so infiltrated. It's just really stunning. Well, and when, when Common Core came out and we were trying to um, educate our legislators, the school community, parents, it was so confusing because it was so entangled and it was almost like an incestuous relationship. Mm -hmm. All these NGOs were all connected and all being funded from the same source, but they were in all different parts of education, whether it was the, the curriculum, the textbooks, the testing, everything was, so you saw that 
happening in Common Core. And then now it's you're starting to see where uh, I guess where the the core of all this is coming from. And it is very um, deep rooted and ingrained in all aspects of it. It's like it's like you I think you used the term last night, whack-a-mole. Yeah, it, it, it really is. And, and the thing is, is that they've layered it so deep that even if you are successful in whacking down one here or there, the, it, you just can't possibly pull back all of those layers and figure out how to unentrench it because the powers that be and the money that, that is involved. Um, I mean, it, there really isn't any way to restore it. Um, it, it needs to be rebuilt from scratch because it's it's too corrupted. Yeah, I agree. I don't think there's any salving what we have, being able to save it. It it just like you said, it's just got to be recrafted, just started. Um, I know that's in in fact that's a principle. If you're cleaning up a huge mess in your home, you're you're not in there like tunnel. You pull everything out and then bring things back in and re. Yes. Yeah. And so that's that's just basically where we are. And so now what <laughs> now what we're going to do is have you kind of share um, the pieces of what you've discovered. I mean, the different uh, you have this will, and of course we can't show that on, on audio. But you've got a lot of different um, slices of the pie that are problem that are problematic because you know we've learned about CRT. That's become in our forefront and we common core was something that was 10 years ago we were in fact common core is what has set up the platform yes and that's what common core did okay because if we didn't have that all of our states were independently kind of doing their own thing it wasn't until four right. and they were able to get everybody on board with the same um platform nationwide that they can distribute that's why it's happening you can't say well utah's different it's not going to happen in utah natalie natalie we're, <laughs> we're you know we're super conservative it's we're not new york it's not going to happen here okay right. it's all interconnected now and and big tech has aided in that proliferation of the indoctrination and and um, these systems of indoctrination, starting with the state longitudinal database system that was created thanks to Common Core. So everything is interconnected and all the one-to-one -one devices that are now um, the norm in schools so that even they did that in order to be able to directly inject the indoctrination into each student and be able to overcome any previous barriers that there were, including parents and conservative teachers um, that wouldn't otherwise teach this. So they can go, they have direct access to the students. And, and when they say we want that equity means that all children have access to a quality education, what they really mean is that they now have access to every child. And, and yes. even when you think about um, the, the homeschools, population and the private schools, they aim to gain access to every child, not just those in the public schools. Um, and they are doing that through these school choice initiatives uh, where the, the backpack funding, the money follows the child. Um, because if you can take public money to fund private education choices, then you can now regulate those because public money 
requires regulation and accountability. And so these school choice bills, although they sound very tempting to parents that are scared because they realize the school is on fire and they're trying desperately to find somewhere to take their child where they, you know, that they can be safe. Um, and, and, and yet they're turning to government and saying, government, save us from government, right? Government is the one that destroyed the schools. And government is setting up, it's the same actors that have set up this new um, reimagined education system, this transformed, uh, education transformed that is funded by Bill and Melinda Gates and Chan Zuckerberg and, um, and all the other players, the Jeb Bushes that set up Common Core. It, the school choice setup is funded by all those same people that created Common Core that just, and, and caused the destruction of our education system. So why are we turning to the same people to save us from the system they intentionally destroyed? It's because they are trying to push everybody out of the public schools and into their new, um, newly imagined, it's not even imagined, they have it all structured and ready to go to accept all the students. And once they get enough students out of the public system and into their new system, then they can finish the collapse or deconstruction of the public schools. And now they have a captive audience where they do anytime, anywhere learning through digital devices that collects all the data on your student and, and personalizes personalizes the indoctrination for each student, which is the Marxist way of doing things, right? Meet every child where they're at. It's computer adaptive learning and they will so indoctrinate every child. I want to just um, interject something because you talked about public funding and how they offer these uh, scholarships and uh, different um, funding policies through the government. Mm -hmm. and in Utah, there is a HOPE scholarship that sounds so good. You know, it's like, oh, this is so great because now the parents can um, use this money to put their children in another school. And yet I'm surprised at all the some conservative groups that and legislators that are falling for this. In fact, it's Republicans that are bringing uh, brought the bill forward last year and are bringing it forward again this year, even though it was we were able to defeat it last year. But the Hope Scholarship, what are the problems with that? So the Hope Scholarship is, first off, only a fraction of the population gets the money. And it's, uh, they're selling it as if every child will have access to this. And it's simply not the case. There's not enough money to do that. It's going to start off small. Their goal is to grow it over the years so that it incorporates more people while they're draining the public, the, the, they're draining the public coffers. Um, and they think it's because they want to see the, the public edu education system collapse also um, because they see that it's a problem, but they think this is the way to make to bring it down faster. But what they don't realize is that the system that's been set up is the exact same thing, but worse, um, where every child will be indoctrinated in the CRT and the SEL and and all of that social emotional data will be collected on the student that will feed the ESG system, which is the great reset, where competencies become the new currency, where you have to show you have the right attitudes, values, beliefs, and behaviors in order to function in society. So nice. they, they're misled or they're, or they're part of um, the agenda. I don't know, you know, I'm sure it's different for each one, 
um, that's pushing this, but it also goes first to the um, historically underrepresented or marginalized students, which right there is CRT, right? right? Where certain um, groups get extra privileges and benefits. It's, this is not for everyone. This is for those that can't afford a public or a private school education. So it's the people that aren't paying taxes, generally speaking, that are going to get these funds. It's a wealth redistribution plan. The other um, concern is the funding behind the Hope Scholarship, because um, usually whenever you see a problem or if you want to find if there's a problem, you usually follow the money. Yes. And the money that's really behind this Hope Scholarship is not money that we would want to be connected with, right? No, no. It's it's open for donors to help fund it. Um, and, and it's, again, it's all those same players. Uh, if you, you know, a while back I posted about a video made by um, Libertas and the educational opportunities for every child that are pushing the Hope Scholarship in Utah. And that video that was created to promote the Hope Scholarship was created, um, paid for and created by Excel and Ed, which is Jeb Bush's group that is funded by Bill and Melinda Gates and the Chan Zuckerberg Foundation and Betsy DeVos, who a lot of people think is conservative and who is pretending to be against all of this, um, all of the CRT now when she helped create the problem. So there's a lot of players involved that, um, including including people like Corey DeAngelos, um, who is pushing this, this school choice initiative nationwide, and yet he works or UNESCO on their inclusive policy lab. Right. So UNESCO should be a red flag. UNESCO yes, giant. Common Core. Bill Gates was made a contract with UNESCO. And they're the ones pushing comprehensive sexuality education on children throughout the country. Yeah. So the same people that are funding that are funding hopes. Mm-hmm. So I yes. that just be a no-brainer. That well, and I would. I would highly recommend people go to my Facebook page. I posted just this morning on the all the evidence you need to prove that this is a scam. It's all the de- documents straight from UNESCO's own website that tells okay. you exactly what their plan is. Okay, so that's what we need to do is, listeners, you have to be educated. Go to Natalie Klein's Facebook page to get educated, and then you need to reach out to your elected officials in the House and in the Senate and let them know right now, right now, let them send them from you that you are against this Hope Scholarship Fund. And this is why. And if they need to get educated, then you know where to send them to Natalie Klein's Facebook page. She yep. Or send them the article that I posted because it has all yeah. the documents. Exactly. So, okay, we are going to take a break. We've got more to talk about. There's lots to talk about with Natalie Klein. Uh, this is the Liberty Moms podcast. Be Stay with us. We're going to be back after this short, short break. Thank you.
Welcome back to the Liberty Moms podcast. Chris Kimball hosting today, and I'm talking with state school board official, Natalie Klein, and everything that she talks about is her own opinion and not attached to the state school board. So um, you may have to say that yourself again, coming back. <laughs> anyway, just to clarify everything, um, in the first segment, we were talking about um, how important the state school board race is, the candidates. If you didn't listen to that, be sure to go back and listen to the, st- the first half. And the second half, we are, oh, and also the Hope Scholarship. So if you have any questions about Hope Scholarship, that's going to be in the first segment. But we now are going to um, share with our listeners what is really in store if they're deciding to leave their children in the current public education system. And everything is in place. It's not like there's a way to stop this because you've been seeing the pressure just on as a board member trying to stave off the um, the LGBTQ wave, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the porn that has been showing up in our school libraries, the uh, indoctrination to teach our children about, well, to sexualize our children, first of all, on sexuality at very young ages, starting in kindergarten, first grade, and also to push the uh, the transgender and the LGBTQ agenda. And last night you brought up something that I had not heard had happened in Utah, but Utah has had their own drag queen story hour basically, right? Well, it wasn't a story hour at a public library, but it it was a drag queen show labeled as family friendly drag queen show for kids down at the Gallivan Center in Salt Lake City. Um, apparently they did one last year too. I didn't hear about that one until this year's um, when they said we're doing it again. And they had all the animals dress up as, you know, popular Disney characters um, for the kids specifically to groom the kids. And, and to, there's video footage of it. You can watch where kids are running up and handing money to these uh, drag queen artists that are basically uh, doing burlesque striptease. Um, things that have only ever been allowed in in adult clubs, um, never out in the open for children. And uh, I mean, it's 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 really. I have no words. It's it really reflects the moral decay of our society. Is that this is even considered? And I think you mentioned last night that there were parents that were there, but the police were there to protect the rights of those that were inside, even though that didn't really, the, the parents outside have the right to um, to impose the community standard, right? Right. If they can bring this out in the open, they are redefining what is acceptable as far as community standards, which in our laws, the, pornogra- the definitions of pornography also hinge on what the prevailing community standard is. So if they can get away with that out in public and have the police protect it, they can redefine what community standards are. And it's the same thing with what's happening in the school libraries with the, with the, the sexually explicit content that is filling the library bookshelves and the, the personal libraries of teachers in the, in the classroom. Um, and, and the online libraries and databases that the kids use every day. 
Um, and they've done this. By, so the first year I was in was the year of um, implementing critical race theory in our schools um, in spite of the rule that our board made that supposedly was meant to stop it. But um, I told everybody before it wouldn't and it didn't because um, critical race theorists are all about deconstructing the language, meaning defining it out of existence so that it's malleable and they can make, they can crosswalk words um, from what is in the law to what they want it to mean. So they're just redefining and that's how they, it's kind of this Overton window approach. Um, and they've done that, uh, they did that with critical race theory um, in 2021. This school year, uh, you know, this 2022 um, has been a focus on the gender ideology, right? And bringing in all of these books um, you've, in order to, that kids can feel included, safe, welcome. This is, these are their arguments that they make, that we have to have books that reflect, uh, that students can see themselves in. And, and under that umbrella, uh, that loose definition, they've allowed all of this stuff in because you know, our LGBTQ kids need to see themselves um, in the books they read, apparently. It's not about um, having kids read really good quality literature that helps elevate their way of thinking. It's about keeping them wallowing in the mire, so to speak, and, and keeping them down. And, yeah. and it's not that we're, we weren't specifically targeting um, LGBTQ books or Black Indigenous people of color books, which the left has claimed that we are. It just happens to be that those are the books that are, fill, that are by and large, the ones filled with the explicit porn. And this isn't just soft porn. This isn't, this is well beyond um, even adult romance novels. I mean, this is explicit graphic and any adult that sees it is just beside themselves. They can't even believe their own eyes. You know, it's interesting. I was out helping on a campaign in the primary and ran into a, just an, an, a guy who um, had some questions about um, the platform this, this candidate had, and we got into education. And see, he'd been hearing the sound bites on the news about um, that parents were trying to shut down free speech in the libraries. You know, that's just what he was hearing. I just asked him, I go, do you think it's appropriate for a first-year-old to, to be told um, uh, how to have sex and the different positions that they should use having sex? And, then, and when he heard that, he said, well, no, no, I don't agree with that. I go, well, that's what these books contain. Yeah. Sexually explicit. It's not just, uh, it's sexually explicit material. And so Super I explicit. And yeah, you need to get more educated and not rely on what the media is reporting, but really get educated. Maybe you should go to the library and look at those books yourself and see if you think that's appropriate for a little six-year-old to be learning. You know, and so again, it's just a public awareness, and and they're kind of relying on what the media is reporting, and and um, but that social the um, the community standards is really important. And um, I had a friend up in Bountiful. She has now since passed, and she'd be turning over in her grave. Hamilton, Joanne Hamilton was her name. She mm -hmm. was to go into all up in up in Davis County in the Bountiful Centerville area. She went into all of the grocery stores and the stores that were selling. I mean, okay, this is like 15, 20 years ago. And the 
the biggest threat to children at that time were some of the magazines that were on display when you check out at the at the checkout counter. And they, they were positioned at eye level. So you had children looking at um, a really graphic display of, uh, not graphic, so to speak, but a sexualized picture on a, on, a, on a magazine cover, Cosmopolitan or whatever. She just went in and asked the, the owner to just cover the picture. Like you could still say it was Cosmopolitan, but you just covered the picture and she explained why. They all agreed to do it. And so they wanted to make sure that their customers felt comfortable shopping. And it it was based on the community standard. This is a family. Um, yeah. And this is what we want. And now what they're they're doing the same thing is taking their standard, which has no moral standard to it, and they're trying to get that entrenched into your community. And so what do parents have to do? Yeah, um, you you got to push back. I mean, this is not a time to be silent. We have to protect our kids. Um, they are doing everything they can to protect the porn, in, including using our First Amendment rights to justify it and to, to make the argument that we can't impose a, our religious community standards. Um, it's not about, it, our standards may come from a place of, you know, our religious beliefs, but all of the research backs it up that that is that our children that children need to be protected from that early sexual debut because it destroys them it, it fundamentally changes how their brains are developing and wires them for addiction which makes them um incapable of living functional lives because they are always about getting a fix to how and they become a safety hazard to our community because they then they act out on those things that they learn at a young age. Children learn primarily by being modeled to. And if that's what we're modeling to them, that is what they're going to do. And they're going to perceive that as good or normal, um, and especially when it comes from a, a person in authority, a teacher, um, you know, or a teacher presenting these um, things to them. That is hugely problematic. Um, and the other reason, if you've ever heard Yaku Boyens, he was on a PragerU video recently, and I've spoken with him. He, he fights sex trafficking. And he says, the reason that they sexualize your kids and that they want to sexualize your kids is because they know that it fundamentally damages them. And if they can damage them at a young age, they will, like a turtle, pull their head into their shells, and they will not fight for family, for freedom, um, they will become, it, it, it just neuters them. It, 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 make, it neutralizes them it in that fight for spirit. freedom. Right. It does. It destroys their freedom. And I've experienced that firsthand in my own life um, with a family member, uh, close and personal, where they were exposed at a young age and it wreaked havoc throughout their lives. Um, to the point where it destroyed their marriage and and created all kinds of other problems. They couldn't, you know, it made it difficulties in their employment. It, it just, at every level, you know, it, it makes them a victim and it makes them a perpetrator in many cases. And if we're, schools are really about creating a safe environment for kids and uh, that safe place, like a safe space, like they like to say, why then are they pushing this on the kids? And, 
And last year, there was a big outcry. We had a lot of parents push back about the porn that was showing up in our libraries and the sexualization. And yet the state school board is going to meet this coming week. And what policy are they going to come up with? Is it going to really protect our children or not? Uh, I don't believe it will. And I, I put out uh, an article or there's a, there's a post out there on my page uh, that explains in detail the history of when this fight began and everything that's happened. You can go listen to all the links that are embedded to, for the different meetings that we've had. Um, you know, where I'm having to argue against the assistant attorney general that is assigned to our board about the fact that our children don't have a right to see these things. She was saying they absolutely, that children have a right, that we can't discriminate by age based for the content that they view. And she was citing the American Library Association's own Bill of Rights that says you can't discriminate by age. So this is this is the individual from our state that is that is um, charged with defending law, and she was and she was quoting the ALA's Bill of Rights as her justification for why these books cannot come off shelves. It okay, created, that- she she put out she put out a letter to all of the local education agencies across the state, um, and a memorandum with on on. Sean Reyes's official letterhead saying, basically giving all of these um, precedent setting cases throughout the country that her argument was that they basically nullify HB 374, the law that was just passed banning porn from being in our schools. Um, So she undercut the legislation that was just passed and told districts, basically, you don't have to change anything. Keep doing what you're doing. So which tells me she's an activist. Um, the fact that she's citing ALA instead of the law and that she's, she put out this document, well, it created all yeah. kinds of problems. And so to the point where the, the AG's office had to do a lot of um, cleanup after her and they ended up putting out what they called their official memorandum regarding um, porn in school libraries. So basically well, she, superseding she really- the one she put out. Yeah, I guess she hasn't really studied the Constitution that she's supposed to defend and um, use as the law because Article 6 talks about the Constitution being the law supreme. Yes. A higher law than some private organizations bylaws. Well, she's using she's she's using um, the Constitution, the First Amendment rights of free speech um, as her justification for keeping these in school. So they're perverting the constitution in order to make the argument that these books they need are. to stay in there. And again, academic back, freedom, they say. Yes, and academic it gets back to the, um, the community standards. Right. What community standards? What is the standards of the people that are being taught? And, well, and once they passed, once they passed gay marriage, um, yeah. that changed the community standards because now these, they say, well, we have to teach gay marriage in the schools, um, which means we have to teach that gay, that gayness is, is a normal and natural thing. And kids, it has to be represented in the curriculum and in the literature. Uh, and so that was the beginning, I think, of the downfall, because it's this, which gets to another point um, of how they are redefining reality by breaking down um, words. 
the destruction of our language. They, they destroyed marriage by redefining what a man and a woman is, right? And if you put gay in front of marriage, that changes what marriage is, right? If you add that qualifier, it fundamentally changes what marriage is. And there's, there's a great um, definition. If you go to the 1828 Webster Dictionary, this is the definition it gives of marriage. It says, the act of uniting a man and a woman for life, wedlock, the legal union of a man and woman for life. Marriage is a contract, both civil and religious, by which the parties engage to live together in mutual affection and fidelity till death shall separate them. Marriage was instituted by God himself for the purpose of preventing the promiscuous intercourse of the sexes, for promoting domestic felicity, and for securing the maintenance and education of children. Yeah. There was an activist that was interviewed um, before uh, the Obergefell case in 2015 that overturned um, or that made uh, same-sex marriage legal. Um, and she said, when asked about gay marriage, she says, it's not about us getting the right to marry. It's what we're going to do with marriage once we get it. Meaning we are going to, we fu we're fundamentally destroying the definition of marriage by making gay marriage a thing. Um, and they've done the same thing now with uh, redefining man and woman. What is a woman? Uh, they're doing it with a parent. What is a parent? They're in the, in the language of, um, they are redefining what a parent includes, including in Ibram Kendi's latest book, How to Raise an Anti-Racist, anti he calls parents caregivers. He says, this book is for caregivers. When I say caregivers, I mean all people who are nurturing the environment, environments, experiences, minds, bodies, souls, and futures of children, uh, educators, and child care workers, uh, pediatricians, and pediatric nurses, faith leaders, politicians, aunts, uncles, cousins, friends, coaches, neighbors, counselors, and executives, and artists, and creators, and social workers. This is how they're redefining parents out of existence and taking okay. your kids from you. Okay, so I want our listeners to let this sink in. Let this sink in. The establishment that is now controlling education is only looking at you as a caregiver. Uh, one of many, one of many, you have as much um, access and right to that child as a politician, as an artist, as a teacher, just what she named, what Natalie just went through on that list. You are one of many. You don't have this parental mantle anymore because now you are a caregiver. So just realize that when you are taking your child to a public school, that is what you are considered in that environment. You are a caregiver. Let that sink in. How well, and it gives everybody else that has access, access to your child yes. the rights you have as a parent to, to train them up, not just in academics, but in their values, attitudes, beliefs, dispositions. And it's I giving think, others people your role. Yeah, and I don't know if people, if parents are realizing that when you drop your child off at school, you have given... Um, explicit, you've turned over your parental rights to that yeah. school. It's that called loco parentis. Yes, yes. Thank you for the, the Latin term on that because mm -hmm. it's already been established through the courts. And so 
you basically have given permission for that school, whatever they want to do to your child while it's you're there on that property, they can do it. And you can't, there's nothing you can do because you've already turned over your rights. So I don't know if our listeners are aware of that, but that is actually happening when you have your child go to a public school. Right. Yep, absolutely. And um, we haven't even gone into the data gathering. No, no. Well, and let's go into that because again, it's a it's a problem of them redefining the terms. Um, Well, and before I get to that, family is another term that they've redefined. Your kids more and more are hearing the words from the school administration. We are family or or teachers. If your family doesn't accept you, I'll be your new family. Um, I'm your family. Um, We, our class, we are a family. No, no, it sounds innocent, but it's not. It's purposeful to, to redefine what the family is so that kids don't identify with their mother and father as much as a different entity that is actually trying to groom them into a different set of values and beliefs than what their parents have been tried to instill in them. So it's how they, um, in a really underhanded way, kidnap your child from you psychologically, emotionally, spiritually, politically, sexually. That's what they call the whole child initiative, which you can go to CDC's website and look up their whole child, whole child, whole family, whole community initiative. Okay. This is about redefining your role as a parent, your role in your child's life. They want to put you in a box and define how you can engage with the system. And parents need to remember that their role is all encompassing and this and the student or the te- the school's role should be very narrowly defined and limited. And yes. they have tried to flip that around so that the school's role is all encompassing and you only get a very tiny sliver. You can bathe your child, feed them dinner, put them to bed. And the rest of the time we want them. This is the yes. 21st century learning community school model that Arnie Duncan and um, Obama's Department of Ed secretary um, introduced and that is now implemented with um, pre-k as normal and 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 the natural way of doing school like getting your child away from you at the earliest possible age and extending the school day and the school year with after school programs and summer programs all of which are ways that they can inject more indoctrination and pull your child away from you. And family engagement plans where they bring the family to the community learning center where they can observe how you interact with your child and collect all of that data on how you engage. So they can monitor you and how you parent to make sure you're doing it right. Okay, so Natalie, we have painted a huge grim picture of of public education and school starting next month. Holy cow. So what are, we, we've only got maybe a minute and a half. What are some resources for parents? What, what are some solutions? Uh, what are some options for parents to, to give them a life, a life jacket? <laughs> yeah. Well, to- the, the, the thing is, is that parents, I think about Dorothy in the Wizard of Oz and she's trying to get home, you know, got to get home and she wants to click and she finds out at the end of the movie that all she has to do is click her heels and she can go home. She had the power all along. Parents have the power. They just need to take it back and stop letting people usurp it and and redefining their roles. You've got to hang on to your children. 
protect them, pray for them, um, teach them to turn to the Lord. Uh, I mean, this is this is an epic battle between good and evil, and they need that help. Okay, so Natalie, um, again, tell them how to contact that information. Was that on your Facebook page about um, Hope Scholarship and and the? Yes, it's on my personal Facebook page, Natalie Klein. My pace, my posts are all public, so you can you can grab right. what you need. All right. Well, listen. Thank you for your service. Thank you for being on here today, and hopefully, this has given some light to our Liberty moms and dads about what they want to do with education. Thanks, name. Yeah. Thanks for having me.